This is Shifting Our Schools episode 169, The Digital Classroom. Ready for this week's Shifting Our Schools podcast with host Jeff Utick? Anyone who knows Jeff knows he is big on the power of storytelling. That's why we are bringing you the story of another educator. Shifting Schools knows great things happen when we share our collective wisdom and insight. Get ready for a powerful conversation. And be sure to share your thoughts on the show with the Shifting Schools hashtag on Twitter or by emailing Jeff directly at info at shiftingschools.com. Well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm your host, Jeff Udick. I hope this episode finds you safe and healthy. I have a great interview with Madeline Mortimer from Logitech to share with you. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that we have a few spots left for our three professional development options. Shifting Strategies is a self-paced pathway led by my co-host, Trisha Friedman, and myself. Like all our PD, it's full of what we call plug-and-play resources and thinking routines that you can use to start your school year off on the right foot. We'll be hosting two Brews With You Zoom sessions in August to have some conversations and go even deeper in our thinking around these resources. We also have the Making Assessment Meaningful Self-Paced Pathway, and there is no better time than right now to be thinking about setting up your gradebook for the coming year And how do we truly make our gradebook and assessments align with best practice? This pathway is led by the one and only Tyler Rablin, who you'll get to have three Brews With You sessions with in August and September. As you get to go deeper with Tyler and ask him questions, Tyler takes you inside his own gradebook to show you how he creates a system that makes learning the focus, not the grade. There are a few spots left For this round, again, you can pay for it now and complete the self-paced pathway anytime before September 21st. So plenty of time to get things set up and Tyler will be with you in our community channels to help and support you along the way. Our last one, our last offering is for instructional coaches. If you are an instructional coach, you're going to want to check out episode 158 if you haven't already, and then take advantage of this opportunity to learn with Heather Dowd and earn your Google Certified Coaching Certificate. We're one of only a handful of Google partners who can offer this certificate, and Heather's one of the original creators of the program. You can hear more about that in episode 158, and then sign up and join her for a full year of being supported in being a better instructional coach. This cohort is being kept small on purpose, and there are only a few spots left. I think the last time I looked, there's about four spots left, so you're going to want to lock in your spot now. Uh, So head over to shiftingschools.com and click on the On Offer tab at the top in the menu to see all three of these offers and pick the one that is right for you to start the school year with. We hope to see you in a cohort soon. With that, today I have a great interview for you with Madeline Mortimer. She is a researcher at Logitech for Education who speaks to the intersection of technology and learning from a researcher's perspective. We chat about the research Logitech has gathered this past year and how we can use that to look at the classroom of the future. 
Madeline serves as the Global Education Innovation and Research Lead at Logitech. She has worked in various areas of ed tech as an international educator, a strategy associate with one of the largest online schools in the U.S., and also launched an ed tech startup at the Harvard Innovation Lab. I hope you enjoy this interview with Madeline. And with that, on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our School. So great to be here with my guest, Madeline. We're going to have her introduce herself here in just a second. Uh, but as always, we're trying to bring you voices from around the world uh, of technology and education, and especially after the year we just had, trying to reach out to people to just give us kind of their take on where do we go from here? What does the future hold for education moving forward? So Madeline, welcome to Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. And uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Well, Jeff, first, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. I loved listening to your previous episodes and how you highlight such important, relevant topics going on in the education space. Uh, so my name is Madeline Mortimer. I'm currently the Global Education Innovation and Research Lead at Logitech. I'm coming from an education background. I have my master's in education focused on technology and the intersection of child development and psychology. I've held previous research positions at the MIT Teaching and Learning Lab, as well as the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. I was also a classroom teacher uh, in multiple different countries uh, from the US, UK, Spain, and I've also been fortunate enough to also, uh, develop curriculum as well. So, so excited to bring that unique perspective uh, to the future of education. Awesome. So good. Uh, I just love, uh, you know, coming from a research background, especially after this year we've just had, you know, I'm really interested um, to just kind of get your take from like where your lens from where kind of where you're sitting. Um, we talk about, you know, this past year, we have seen teachers uh, up their skill level, specifically with technology. And one of the things that we are constantly talking about is this idea that all of the technologies that we used this past year already existed. None of this stuff was new, right? It was all just here waiting to be utilized. And in many cases, we were not allowing educators to use it or we were blocking it from students. And then all of a sudden, pandemic hits, we have to unblock all these tools. We had to upskill, right? Uh, all, we all had to upskill ourselves and learning in new and different ways. As we kind of move out of this and what, you know, we look at the future of education, what, what are some of those skills that you saw that we really were able to focus in on? And, and as we move past this and we move towards the future, what, what do you believe are some of those skills that we shouldn't lose and that should forever be just like, this is the way education is from here on out? What have most you been seeing? Yeah, most definitely. And I think one thing just overall that has really been highlighted is that one size doesn't fit all in all elements of education. So we, we're very familiar with this concept in areas such as the curriculum, uh, different learning structures, and what was really highlighted uh, during the pandemic was that that's the same for devices and learning through different mediums. It was highlighted that uh, students have various 
home environments, they have various ways that they like interacting with the content. Mm, However, before COVID, there really wasn't any tools or it wasn't being integrated in a way that allows us to break out of that one size fits all model when it comes to devices. And so what I've really noticed, especially with some of our Logitech educators is how they leveraged different tools to really enable uh, that to break out of that one size uh, fits all model. And the way that they've done that is making their content uh, especially more inclusive through uh, different mediums such as voice amplification, visuals. Uh, One example is we surveyed over 2000 educators who were using both our webcams, uh, headsets and microphones and noticed that there was over an 80% increase in engagement from students. And this is really helping uh, build a more inclusive environment and not just relying on the device itself. Mm, That's cool. And when you say engagement, do you have like, what, what type of engagement was it? You know, one of the things we, and this would be interesting, I don't know if you have any data on this, but one of the things that uh, we continue to hear from teachers even today. And uh, I find it fascinating because teachers complain about this with students. And then I'm in professional development trainings and I get the same thing from teachers, but it's like turning off your camera, uh, you know, and, and, and having uh, like, we, we walk this fine line between wanting to have that connection through the webcam, but at the same time, being able to give people and students, right. The, the ability and the choice of privacy, um, was there any, did, was, have you seen anything come out about whether webcams on, webcams off, anything come, come out of that with, with teachers you talked to? Yeah, most definitely. They, uh, they saw an increase in participation as one element of engagement. They saw an increase in some cases of outcomes as well. And there's also secondary research that has come out, which shows um, more on a cognitive level uh, that engagement increases. Uh, There was a study by University of California that showed when teachers have their webcam on, especially Mm. with high HD quality, there's an increase in student attention and that's really measured from a behavioral lens. Mm. And so there's such a trickle down effect of having tools that just break out of the capability of the device. Mm, that's very cool. Did you find, uh, you talk about the quality of the cameras did the, and, and HD being, being something. Did, we, did you have any, did you see anything? I mean, you talk a little bit about the research with students, but um, I just find it so interesting because a lot of school districts, not that it's right or it's wrong, have Chromebooks and Chromebooks don't usually have the, you know, highest pixel camera on them was there anything especially from coming from logitech standpoints did you see you know being even though you have a camera you know that's built into the laptop like i'm using now was there was there this uh like people going out and getting a higher quality camera because they were seeing engagement from both student and and teacher in did you see any of that yeah most definitely and not only from a standpoint of seeing the educator and their body language and picking up on all of those elements, but also from being able to accurately demonstrate content that's not digital. Mm. Uh, One big aspect uh, 
that we saw was uh, with the inbuilt camera, the educator is forced to break the learning flow by either picking up their laptop, showing the content <laughs> in an extremely awkward way, uh, as well as the legibility is significantly lost. And it really, as you know, being having been in the classroom, it only takes five or to 10 seconds of a lesson breaking the flow. So true. And so having that external webcam uh, mm. not only allows more of that emulation of lifelike interactions, but also an easier way to demonstrate uh, non-digital content. Mm, yeah, and, and it was incredible. You know, we had a couple of teachers in our trainings who were making like homemade document camera stands with their, yeah. you know, with it with an extra camera, or they were using their phone and they've got it propped up and we using saw it. that too. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like so creative, right? And some of those skills that we saw. Um, yeah, that's great. And, and, you know, as we as we focus on this moving forward, you know, how can teachers integrate technology that keeps the focus on the learning? I think we this is always something we talk about, especially in educational technology, right? The, the shiny new object. Um, I was just working with a school last week that their, their biggest fear is, is that teachers have a new confidence in technology and they're going to get sucked in by the shiny new object like oh look there's a great new tool and this great new tool and you know and and we do that and that's human nature and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that i'm guilty of it as well i love the shiny new tools but when we talk about student learning in the classroom how do we make sure that when we integrate technology moving forward because we're going to be in these you know heavy technology rich classrooms moving forward for the most part not every classroom not everywhere but for the most part you know, we're going to be in, in real tech-rich classrooms. How do we keep the focus on the learning and, and not the tool? What are some strategies or, or even like you talked about curriculum writing? What are things that we need to be considering or teachers need to be considering um, as we move forward? Definitely. Uh, that's such a fantastic point and something that I think about frequently at Logitech. And tech can really quickly become a distractor and something that is even more disruptive when it's not integrated in the appropriate way. And a way to really think about it, especially in the classroom, is breaking it down into what are the different learning modalities that you want to achieve. So you have individual working sessions, which it can be from utilizing a learning app, um, doing individual work, then you have small group sessions when you break uh, students out and then you have whole classroom interaction. And so really breaking it down like that in the first mm -hmm. place. And then thinking about what kind of activities do you want your students to engage in within those different learning modalities? So for example, for individual work, it may be for younger grades using a literacy learning app. So to achieve that, you need to think about what could possibly be a distractor rather than an enabler. And, you know, students do it engaging in literacy, they're practicing phonics, there's a lot of talking out loud. And to be able to be immersed in that activity, they not only need to be heard by the app, but also eliminate the distractions around them. Uh, from a study we did, we know that over 80% of students engaging in learning apps that require that type of interaction uh, felt more focused and more confident uh, with a Logitech headset. We also did another stu study uh, with and without headphones and the accuracy of the phonics 
uh, being on the learning app went from 20% to 90%. Wow. So that's an example of how tech is really the enabler in terms of allowing students to really demonstrate their knowledge and be assessed of their knowledge, not their ability to use the tech. Mm. And especially as we move more to a one-to-one device format, there's really such a difference of the capability of the device and uh, the capability of the student, whether it's their their age, their developmental stage, all of those different elements. And it's really using tools to to bridge that gap as one one example. Uh, When you move into small group work, again, thinking about what that breakdown looks like, what do you want to achieve? So a common theme in this area is around the collaboration piece. So for example, uh, you may, if you're an iPad school, uh, having a tool that you can easily work and collaborate with each other, uh, such as uh, we have a Logitech crayon, which allows you to, um, there's no pairing involved. So students can easily, you know, switch iPads around, uh, make notes on each other's iPads, all of those different elements, as well as thinking about, do you want students to connect uh, with perhaps their peers who are remote? And again, thinking about what would be that friction and going back to what I was mentioning at the start with that one size really doesn't fit all and thinking about the tools that can help prevent that friction. An example in this case is, you know, the voice amplification with the microphones, and maybe it's just one microphone for that small group so they can really engage uh, with, uh, with their peers. And the final one being thinking about a whole class environment. And that may come down to, you know, the engagement piece. And there's, there's so many tools out there that, you know, claim, we're going to engage your students and it it becomes such a frivolous um, (laughs) word (laughs) and and white noise. And, but thinking about, you know, what can be just such a simple way to capture students' attention and really center the whole class. And it could be something as simple as having a presenter tool where suddenly there's a circle of light around a key concept and, you know, wow, it's a, it's a, such a novelty aspect which we we've seen and we've studied and uh, we have research around how it really does capture attention and so thinking about it in that way really breaking Mm -hmm. it down into how can I enable that flexible agile learning environment and eliminate uh, distractions that take away from the learning process yeah and I think you're I mean I've been saying this for years, uh, and anybody who's listened to this podcast for a while knows, um, it's not just going like one to one with an iPad or a laptop. But you, you, you should be if you weren't already. And you know, as you're thinking about next school year, one to one headphones is a must. It's a must in the classroom. You know, you talk about the research of putting headphones on, giving kids that space, especially in independent work. You know, where where kids can be watching an instructional video from their teacher or they could be listening to a podcast or, you know, be reading a book, you know, much like we all probably, you know, read books on tape uh, and followed along in the classroom. You can do that, but it, it takes headphones. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, simple little things like that, I think are going to be a lot of the, when we talk about a tech rich classroom, a lot of times we talk about, you know, the computer or an iPad versus a laptop and what that is, but there's all these other little bits that are just as important. And I think headphones, um, and, and you have the research to back it up, but the, you know, the headphones are just a critical piece to a learning environment with kids. And, and, you know, you talk about the ability to be flexible. And I think we're hearing that over and over again. You know, we know there's not one size fits all. We know that we've needed to differentiate learning. And I think coming out of this, we have more tools to think deep, more deeply about what does that mean for each, with each child, you know, and how are we making sure that each child is getting what they want the moment they want it or what they need the moment they need it. Um, and how does technology help support that in, in different places? Yeah, most definitely. And you bring up a great point, which is having that student choice of how they express their knowledge and how they interact uh, with the with the content. And we know there's a direct correlation between student choice and student ownership of learning. And when we not only give them choice of, you know, whether they're going to write this essay prompt or that essay prompt, right. but a choice of how they express uh, that knowledge that they've learned, whether it's, you know, through a short multimedia project, through uh, a concept map that they sketch out and, we've seen that that really excites students. And again, uh, builds that ownership of learning, which is so crucial to the final learning outcome. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, you, you know, being with Logitech, Logitech makes a lot of, you know, and with the research that Logitech does um, in education as well, it really makes a lot of these, you know, these little pieces that just make the classroom you know, flow, for lack of a better term, you know, from, from headsets to mice to, you know, uh, amplifying, you know, a lot of, a lot of schools I know have amplifiers in the classroom now as, as a, just to your point of, of trying to get the audio out there. As, as we move forward in education coming out of this and just with technology and the, and the technology rich world we're living in, what do you think the ideal classroom setup looks like? Um, are we still in a smart board world or are we moving away from like, look, we don't want a smart board. We want every kid to have their own device, their own interaction. Like what are, in, in, in kind of the research you guys are, are doing and, and where you're seeing this going, kind of what does that ideal classroom look like from, from your point of view? Yeah, most definitely. And from my point of view, it really comes down to having the tools that enable that flexible learning environment, both from a student standpoint, how they're interacting with the content ex mm. and expressing their knowledge, from a classroom standpoint, the different learning modalities uh, from the individual work, small groups, whole classroom, and being able to really uh, flow between all of those seamlessly. And then on the broader scale, the learning structures and environments, so in-person, hybrid, remote. And we really still believe that that is so crucial on the learning structure side of things. I think mm. that's definitely a positive we can take from COVID it, and bring it in uh, post pandemic, which is allowing students that flexibility as well. We've seen, you know, even campuses who have our tools uh, during COVID leverage, leverage them now, even though they're in the classroom in areas such as they have one classroom, the other side of campus, and they want to do 
a collaboration project and both of us being former educators, we know that, you know, that takes a long time to get them (laughs) across campus and into another classroom. And something as simple as having those tools and enabling that hybrid environment. Uh, We have other schools who are using that type of technology to allow students who may not be able to come into class that day for certain reasons to not lose out on learning and really continue um, continue with their lessons Mm. and so when we really take a step back it's moving into more of this inclusive tech-enabled environment that allows students and educators to flow between all of these environments in a way that breaks out of this one-size-fits-all model yeah and I love that. I mean, I think there's so many things, you know, it's, it's, I, I honestly think it's such an exciting time to be in education right now, because even something is, you know, it sounds so simple now that like just listening to you say it, like, as, a, as you were talking, I'm just thinking like, you know, how many times have I tried to get teachers, you know, this seventh grade teacher at this middle school to work with this seventh grade teacher at this middle school, but the middle schools are clear across town from each other. And yeah. to your point, like it used to take yeah. buses and, you know, half a day to get the kids to collaborate. And what if you could do that now? Because everybody knows how Zoom works or everybody knows how Microsoft Teams works right. or everybody knows how, you know, and all of a sudden you can have these classes, you know, this idea of collaboration, I think is, is just been, I, I, my hope is, is that teachers are thinking of collaboration in just incredible new ways that allow kids flexibility. Or the idea of doing reading partners. You know, one of the things, especially in elementary school, is usually like a kindergarten or first grade class has a fourth or fifth grade class that's a reading partner. But it doesn't have to be. It could be a high school kid that could zoom in. Or, I mean, there's just ways to be thinking differently um, because we all have this skill set. And what does that, what, what is it and how do we structure a classroom? The idea, and I, I'm seeing this more and more from schools, is this idea of allowing kids the flexibility in and out, especially at the high school level. Um, I'm working with a school district right now who is talking about, okay, well, what if, you know, a student wants to work from home for two weeks, but then wants to come to school for two weeks? How are we building a classroom and a system that allows that student to be flexible? Because you know what? Maybe for two weeks, they have to go visit their dad who's in a different city or different town or different state, but they still want to do their schoolwork. And they haven't been able to do that before. Right? And, and even just allowing that flexibility of two weeks at home or three days at home because you're sick or whatever it happens to be, and then you're in the classroom and you haven't missed a beat, right? And so setting those structures, I think, are going to be critically important of how you frame the school. Like when we talk about school, um, we have to really make this disconnect. I think this is one of the, the things that I think we're really making a disconnect coming out of this is this idea of school is different than learning, And if we truly say we're focused on learning, then we need to make sure that school fits what learning is and not the other way around. And for so many years, we said school and learning, like we combine those two things, right? Um, And so we we try to take learning and say, well, learning would be amazing if it looked like this, but we've got to shove it in this box called school from 7.30 to three o'clock because that's when buses run and that's when parents are at work. And, you know, especially I think for older kids, it's just not going to be that way anymore. It'll be really interesting to see where this all ends up. Yeah, totally. And I think it's a case of not falling into the trap that now, great, we all have these one-to-one devices. We have this new medium that 
that doesn't mean that the actual structure has changed. It's simply a different medium mm. and not falling into complacency around that and thinking we have these devices, we have this new flexibility with these additional tools to really break things up and shift things around and really not becoming uh, complacent with that. Yeah, I love that. Not becoming complacent with what we have coming out of this. That's such a, such a great way to end our conversation. I love it. Don't become complacent. Stay flexible. Find the tools that allow your kids to learn the way that they need to learn in the, in the modality. I love that, that you need it as an educator uh, and know that the tools, the tools are here. So Madeline, it has been awesome getting to sit down and talk with you. If people want to find out more about your research, what you do at Logitech, is there a place that they could go to, to learn more? Yes, most definitely. Uh, feel free to visit the Logitech education website. And also if you uh, want to connect with me directly, you can reach me at mmortimore at logitech.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here on Shifting Schools. Really appreciate it. Uh, and hopefully I'll reach out to you again. I, I love the research side of things that you're doing. So that, that really intrigues me is the work that I'm doing as well. So I appreciate it. Sounds fantastic. Thanks so much, Jeff. I loved this conversation. I could talk about it all day. Uh, so whenever you want, I I'm here. Awesome. Thank you. Did this week's story inspire you? Are you looking for a conversation on a specific topic? Reach out to the Shifting Schools team through any of our social media channels linked in our show notes. Shifting Our Schools podcast is a proud production of the Shifting Schools team. For more resources to support you in shifting your school, be sure to explore our collection of free ready-to-roll guides available at shiftingschools.com.